Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. I want to take us a little bit on, I want to speak about something because even as Nair spoke about that home group and that context and Candace praying, there was something of an appetite for a leader making house. I have, I've got three boys. If you don't know, I've got three little wildlings. Their names are Judah, Ben, and Daniel. They are six, no, eight, six, and four. And you know what? I have a big mandate. My mandate isn't just to get them to an age where they can leave the home alive. I mean, that alone would be a miracle if you know my kids um, in many ways. We found the little four-year-old on the roof the other day. Please don't tell the cops. He just is very agile. And, um, but... uh, but, but having the energy and all that, but there's a much bigger mandate than just getting them there alive. There's a mandate of saying, I've got to birth things in them. I've got to teach them things. I've got to take moments with them. I've got to invest in them. That our home is not just a place of safety. It is a soil, fertile soil, where they can flourish and thrive, where they can step into more, where they can become more. Whatever God has for them, the giftings and the life within them would come alive within that home. And they would find themselves wanting to worship God. They would find themselves stepping into more. Have we lost one, Kent? I'm just not here. Oh, he's over there. Okay. We're all okay. Everyone stay calm. I'm just like... Just checking. But it's the fact that actually that they would find out that whatever God's got for Ben, who's my gentle-hearted boy, who, who will love people, who keeps telling people how much he loves them, if God's got whatever he's got for him that is different to Judah, that is different to Daniel, that within our home they would thrive and they would fly. But they wouldn't just thrive and fly. They would step into every bit of the influence that God has for them. To me, like John Maxwell says, influence, leadership is just influence. When you see something like a leader-making house, it is just the fact that God has given you an influence. If you work in an office, you have an influence in that space. If you go to a gym and you know people, you have a potential influence, a redemptive potential in that place where the gospel in and through your life can activate life within others. That's who we are. That's what we carry. That's what the Spirit of God inside of, it, inside of us is, and He wants to come out of us, and it looks like influence. It looks like something like, wow, that person's got something. We want something of that. And, and Nevi and I used to go to a guy's na- home group named Derek Andrews, and he would sit down and he'd begin to speak. Our home groups lasted forever. We had, and there were some amazing guys, some professional surfers and some professional, amazing other guys who'd had very colorful pasts. And we all sat in this little flat, and there were like 30 people bunched in a room together as our life group leader would lead and he would speak just about Jesus and having a relationship with Jesus. But there was something I wanted that he had. As a young guy, I was wrestling a whole bunch of things. I was wrestling identity. I was wrestling my, what do I do with my crew and my old mates and these mates and now this life and Jesus. And eventually something came out. I want to have influence for this king named Jesus. And you know what the local church is? The local church is not just a meeting on a Sunday. It is an incubator house for world changes, for life-giving people who can step into environments that they influence and use their influence to see the name of Jesus lifted high. It's far more than ticking off, ah, oh, church on a Sunday. It's far more than, oh, I've got religion down in my life. God's saying, no, I've pulled you into my story so that you can go out and have an influence for my name. So when we speak about a leader-making house, it's so much more than now, let's do leadership. The church I grew up in, everything was called leadership training. If they had an evening where they were talking about sex, they'd still call it leadership training, sex edition. Everything was called leadership training. If you had a marriage evening, it was called leadership training, marriage, 
Everything was leadership. We hardly ever speak about leadership. And yet God is still calling us to influence. And so we have to understand these things. If I challenge you and ask you a question, give me one word how you would describe the state of leadership in our world, I think we'd get some interesting answers. What if I threw names at you like Donald Trump or Robert Mugabe or politicians around the world? What about Elon Musk pioneering in areas? What about Angus Buchan? What about Lady Gaga? These are influences in our world. Check all those. Mm. <laughs> she's a prophetess to our world. She has influence and she's using it. The challenge to you and I today is not, I want to be someone else. The challenge is, am I using my influence? And will God give me more influence if I keep throwing myself into the line of those songs we sang? I give my all to you. What was the line of that last song we sang? All I am is yours. It's, it's a radical line, I guess. I've done over a hundred weddings. I've heard that line said a few times. And then a couple of months later, oh, but she said, but he said, but she said, but he said, whoa, you both said, all I am is yours. So get over it and let's find each other in the story because there's an influence on the other side of us getting over some of these challenges. And God's saying, actually, it's, yes, some have been given, and Romans speaks about a, a, a spiritual gift of leadership, Romans 12, and, and I'm not, that becomes, well, someone else has got that. No, every one of us has influence. Every single one of us has influence. And um, one of the greatest preachers of the 19th century called the Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon. Have you heard of that name? Yeah. Charles Spurgeon, just unbelievable preacher still if you read his preaching there's life in it there was depth in it there was incredible incredible fire in it it's like you read it and you just captivated i could just imagine sitting under this guy's preaching and he makes the statement he he speaks about this lady who was the housekeeper in the school where he went to she was the housekeeper she fed him not just food but she fed him the word of god and she fed him and she fed him and he says, actually, she taught me way more than any six doctors of, of divinity could ever have taught me. Mary King, a housekeeper. Will you be a leader maker? Before leaders come, there is a process of leader making. See, I need you to help me raise my kids. Maybe you don't even know me yet. But I'm telling you, your story and what God has done in your life and the gifts on your life are there, not just for yourself or your little line. Your gift gets pulled into God's story and his line. He says, actually, within that, will you influence? Will you have influence? Will you teach them things? I bumped into Tyler yesterday at Big Bay because we had to get out the house. The kids were going crazy. So we thought we'd go to the beach. Got to the beach. Hurricane Hilda was blowing there at the beach. I don't know if you were there. And we had to tie down the little people. It got awkward. So we went into the Big Bay courtyard. I mean, who sits in the middle of the Big Bay shopping court? No one sits there. There's nothing there. Like nothing to do there, actually. But we just thought we'll find solace here. And Tyler and Kate bumped it. And, and then my kids went up some stairwell, and I was like, oh, well, what's the worst that can happen? There's a big pot plant below. They could fall in that. And, um, but my little Daniel made his way through the gate, and Tyler probably doesn't even notice. I noticed that when Daniel tried to get in, Tyler was like, no, Daniel, go back. I'm not offended by that. He loves my kids. He loves my kids. He wants the best for my kids. I know that because I spend time with them. I need you to help me with my kids, and you need my kids in your life. 
And we need each other. That's what this is. And, and what is biblical leadership and what does it look like? Because I think it's so different to the world. One of the things is radical. We make radical decisions. And you know what? We need each other to make those radical decisions. Yeah. Radical about the gospel. Radical that on the other side of our obedience and following Jesus is a radical inheritance. The fact that we can be sold out to truth, uncompromising truth, in an age where truth is offensive, where truth is diminishing of options. It is. That's the very nature and essence of truth, that there is truth. But how we live that out, how we work that out, how we fi fight for each other in living that out, we can find life and minister and use influence to the world. That we would be not easily swayed. Where the world doesn't pull us and we aren't influenced by every voice that's shouting in every part of our story. We become less and less easily swayed. We start out like young reeds blowing in the wind. And God says, I'm going to put a, a, a spine of steel in your life. And the Spirit of God's going to come and He's make you strong. Leaders look submitted and surrendered. Actually, that part of being in leadership and part of standing into influence is to understand that I'm under influence and authority called the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And then within houses and homes, He puts authority structures within those homes. And he says, I, I want you to build within that. I want you to work within that. Part of leadership's job is to make sure that the songs that are unsung inside our lives come out. That's the role of leadership, not to cap them up. Stay small, stay little, stay safe. No, part of leadership is stop it. Get out of the safe cage. Get out of the smallness and step into the more that God has for you. Thank you, Gabe. <laughs> that we'd be committed to him. Committed to Jesus. A radical Christianity committed to the full mandate of the gospel that it's not just about our little story. Oh, it's life changed. I love my church. It's so nice. So nice. No, to the mandate of the gospel, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. I remember, didn't you go to Zimbabwe with Candace in Nick Leach's car? Let me tell you how funny that is. They go on a mission trip to Zambia. You know how relationships work? I speak to my girlfriend at the time. She says, oh, I'm very nervous about this guy's driving. Put him on the phone. Buddy, slow down. Or when you get back, you won't have to answer anyone else but me. Why? Because he's my brother. And that's my girlfriend. That's my friend. And they're on mission. And actually, we can work these things out. So we can grow together. And we'll go to the ends of the earth. Full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the Word. Full, building according to biblical passions. I want to move on a little bit. But I want to say tonight that I'm not just speaking about leadership or influence in the church. That's too small a thing. It's too small a thing. God's saying, I want to raise up men and women who are headmistress and, and business leaders and guys who are advancing on the front edge of technology. I want to raise up men and women who find courage and inspiration in their times with God that when they step into the marketplace, there is fire inside of their berry. They aren't fearful like everyone else to go and challenge that boss around some of the ways and the principles. They are stepping into everything that he has for them. And so this is about more than what, what only we can do in the church. It's about the influence way beyond the walls of the church. And I want to tell you this. Stop disqualifying yourself from having influence. Stop it. Oh, Mark, you've always been confident. You don't know how insecure I was as a teenager. You have no idea. Small man syndrome ripped my life apart. I learned to use this thing. Then I preached the gospel to hurt people. I got good at it. 
But we find reasons to disqualify ourselves. David, the greatest king God ever placed on this earth, David, a man after God's own heart, wasn't even chosen by his own father to line up when the prophet came to town and said, I want to see your sons. Jesse gets all his sons lined up, so here they are. And he looks back and says, that's none of these guys. Do you have another one? Oh, but there's a little guy named David out in the field tending the sheep. Yo, bring that guy. And all the other brothers would have been there posing and working their poses. I would be a great king. Look, I would be a great statue if I just, if you used me, look at. And David walks in, the little one. How's it? How's it? That's the one. That one, that his own father didn't bring him to the lineup, that one, that's going to, he's going to be king. He's going to be king. Stop disqualifying yourself from having influence. But I want to step into another story in Acts 9, and it's the story of Saul. If you don't know the story of Saul, who becomes Paul, who writes 13 books in the New Testament, goes to a radical transformation. He is this persecutor of the church. He's the guy when they're busy stoning Stephen, he's like, bring me your coats, I'll look after your stuff. You guys carry on, go for it. He's that guy. And he's walking on a road and all of a sudden he encounters the Spirit of God and it, it comes upon him and changes everything inside of him. And he has an encounter with Jesus. So much so that he takes a 180 in life, turns the other way, and goes from persecutor of the church to starts preaching the gospel. But in that journey, the scales fall off his eyes as he, as he goes to a man's house named Ananias. He starts preaching the gospel. He encounters opposition, preaching the gospel. So he gets taken to the disciples, and this is when we step into the story in verse 26. Verse 26. When he came, this is Paul, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. Let's just stop there for a second. You know the situation. It's like, hey, I've been at church for 20 years. The guy comes in, the young guy, and the Spirit of God comes on him. It's like, whoa, just whoa. You were shouting at us. You were ridiculing me the other day for being a, a Christian. You're like all Christian stuff, you know? You've had those mates. I've had those mates. Hey, just calm down with your Christian stuff. I remember, it was so funny, I went to my 10-year reunion at school, and I was the guy who did Christianity on a Sunday. They're like, oh, that's awesome, bro. Then my next 20-year reunion, they're like, you, you actually believe that stuff? I thought you just went to church. <laughs> no, I actually believe that stuff. So much. And, and we go on the story, and... and these are the disciples who, in the story, they say, whoa, we're not sure about you. And then there's a credible verse, verse 27, but Barnabas took him and brought him before to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learnt of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Verse 31, Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It increased in numbers. Why are we speaking and dealing with leadership and men and women stepping into Because God is wanting the church beyond our borders, says the church in Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. Geographical places and with that God brings him. He says there's peace comes, influence comes, growth comes. God is doing something. But there's something that changed everything in that story. He goes from this guy that the disciples want nothing to do with. You were the guy, you were there when they stoned Stephen. Imagine the Christians like, oh, who's going to have that guy around for dinner? Did you see what he did to Stephen? 
What if the food's bad? I mean, we get so small sometimes. And then there's this transition in the story where everything spins on. It says, but, but Barnabas took him and brought him before the apostles. See, who's Barnabas in this story? He's a leader maker. He recognizes something. And I want to give us three points. Because Barnabas spins the whole thing and this guy... This guy ends up writing, this guy who Barnabas steps in, this guy who Barnabas says, we covers us. We were singing that song, his love covers us. You know what covers us is? It's like Barnabas saying, I, I got this guy. I'll back him. Why? Because every day, I wake up in the morning, every day, outside of Jesus, I'm nothing. But Jesus says, I've got this guy, I'll back him. And every day, you wake up under the blood of Jesus, washed by the blood of him, he says, I've got this guy, I'll back him, I'll back her, I'll cover them. See, I went to that guy Derek Andrews' home group once before Nevin was there already with a whole bunch of guys and my, my then hopeful, desired future girlfriend was going to that home group. I was overseas, Nevi, when Cairns came to, to Glenridge. One of our mates was trying to make a move. I gave him three weeks. Time ran out. <laughs> that story is another day. But then I started dating Candace, and uh, I went, I thought, well, the right thing to do, because I was a little bit on the naughty side at church. I was like, you know those naughty, we like having around, but he's a little naughty. A little bit like Jerry. Where's Jerry who led us in worship tonight? <laughs> he had to shoot. We, 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 I was that guy. And I got pulled, and I went, I thought to Candace, well, Candace is going to Derek Andrews' home group. He's one of the elders in the church. I better just go have the conversation with him, you know? The man-to-man conversation. So I'm just intentions, you know? She'd never father my intentions. So, but I know this oak thinks I'm a little naughty, so that's fine. One of her mates called me a wolf. That's okay as well. Um, and uh, uh, I went to home group. I said, hey, Derek, preach. Home group ended late. So like, Derek, sorry, can I have two minutes with you? I just want to let you know, I, I, I'm, I'm dating Candace, and I want you to know that we want to walk under a relationship and accountability. He said, hey, you know what? That's awesome. I'm telling you, there's more for you. I'm like, no, I just came to tell you about Candace. No, no. God's called you to preach the word of God. You need to get in the word of God. I'm telling you, God's got more for you and you're messing around. I'm like, no, but I'm 21 years old. I'm studying business. I'm going into business. I'm going to sell a lot of things, but I'm not going to preach the word of God. And he took that moment to believe something in me that no one else did. Number one, about Barnabas and his, his, his leader-making dynamic is that he was risk-taking. And I want to speak to us into the DNA, the fabric of us as a house. Would we be a risk-taking house? Will you take risks on people in a trust-deficit world where people get very easily hurt and we are seemingly overly fragile at times? Will you take risks on people? Would you take risks on people maybe who are different to you and show that actually God wants you to learn so much more from the people who are different to you than the people who are just like you? Will you get over your prejudices and your smallness and take a risk to jump out of the smallness of the safety of your ship that you think you are holding afloat, jump into the bigness of his ship where he is holding it afloat and watch what he can do in that place? Because Paul did that. He took a risk on a guy who had persecuted the church and no one else wanted anything to do with it, but this guy Barnabas stands in. Please understand, Barnabas had something to lose here. He had a history. He had been around a while. He had a fruitfulness story. He puts that all on the line and he says, I will be his advocate. This guy, this guy who needs your backing, he doesn't just take him to the disciples who are bouncing him. He takes him to the apostles, to the main O's. What count, as Edwin would say? He takes them to them. And he says, guys, 
I'm just telling you, I've seen this guy preach the gospel. I back him. I'm his advocate. If you're struggling to back him, believe me, he puts his credentials on the line. When last did you do that for someone? Because if you haven't, I'm telling you, there's more leader making for you to step into. When last did you prophesy over someone who right now is in the bush? And we tend to just, we want to settle down to their smallness and their brokenness. We come to that place rather than saying, actually, but let me just point you to who you are. Let me point you to who Jesus sees. Take you to that place. Can we be that church? I want us to be that church where we will risk on young and old alike, where we risk on proven and unproven, when we will risk on those who've had great track records and those who've had shocking track records. I love the fact that when I preach every Sunday in this place, there are people I know who've stolen from some of the people in the community and that together they've worked it out and they found each other on the side. Because 10 years ago, one or two of them were drug addicts living on the streets. They stole their other mate blind and now they're in church together. Why? Because when we do those things and we get over them, we all grow. And we find Jesus on the other side of those stories. It is, it's the church. I love it that in this place, that, that there's an entrepreneur in our area, and every time I go have coffee there, every now and again for me, he says, hey, have you got any good young guys, any good young girls in your church who are looking for work? Why? He doesn't come to the church. I'm not sure he believes. Why? Because he knows that he knows that there's something amazing about the hearts and the minds and the, the ethics of young guys who've been caught by Jesus. Even he can recognize it. Wow. I absolutely love that. I want to tell you another thing. Is that when it says in Acts 11 verse 23, when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. So when he came and he saw Paul's ministering and, 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 and Timothy and Barnabas walks and he says, when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. Do you have eyes to see the grace of God? Or do you have eyes just to see the problem? I can tell you now when I'm tired and I'm grumpy and I haven't been in the presence of God and I meet with people who are in a low place, I have a tendency to see the faults. Just being honest. And I've got to get back into the presence of God. And I come back again. I have that same conversation. I have an ability to see the grace of God, the future, and the potential inside of individuals. I have a responsibility for every person that God has called me to influence to make sure that I find myself in the quiet place first and then go back into the place that I can encourage and call out things out of people. See, Paul had an eye for potential, potential of grace in people's lives. Some of you are here and you're like, I, I like coming out. It's your guys. It's, it's, it's nice. Mark, Gabe, and the pastors, they get on with it and we'll just back your guys' story. This isn't my story. I could be out of the story tomorrow. And if it flops because I'm out of the story tomorrow, it was never real. But the fact that we on a mission together, that we would take risks in people, that we would see with eyes of grace into people, the story will continue and God will get his glory. The last one is this. It's not about me. That we would be humble, 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 like nice with rice, humble and, and self-effacing. That who was Barnabas? He was this older guy who backs a younger guy. He says, actually, even though there's risk in the story, I'm going to back him. And the amazing thing, very few people know Barnabas' role in Paul's rice. Very few Christians have been part of the church for years. Very few know this little interaction happened. And maybe no one would know the story or the time you paid for someone's studies or the time that you paid for someone's meal or the time that you you just got in your car to go encourage someone else or the time you made a meal for a family who, who just needed a meal 
or the time that you just prayed without anyone knowing for a situation. Maybe no one will ever, ever know. But the truth is, there's someone who always knows. There's someone who's always watching. There's someone who always sees. There's someone who's waiting on the other side of a line like all I am is yours. That there's a father watching, always. See, when I look at Barnabas, there's a leader making gift inside his story. And the fruitfulness of it is, and the church increased in numbers, that there was peace in the land, that they were encouraged. Why? Because one man chose to risk, one man chose to take a chance and see with the eyes of grace, and one man chose to say, actually, it's not about me, it's about him, so I'm going to believe in this young man. Could we be that house? I'm speaking to my own heart that gets small sometimes. But I'm speaking about leadership a bit tonight because it's actually important to us and it's a bit of a family moment now um, for us that um, God is taking us on. And what he does in that story is he says, actually, I'm going to add to the story. And within our story, this is a growing story. This community and this evening congregation has grown recently. It's amazing. And, and the morning congregation has grown in Milton. I was at Milton this morning. Such a beautiful crew of people there. And I'm going, God, it's actually incredible. But we need some more partners who can come onto team to help us lead this thing. And God says in his language, in his wisdom, and he puts words like elder and deacon in the story. And let's be honest, weird words. And if you ever call me Elder Mark, we're going to have words. Because I'm going to start to call you Accountant Bob and Builder Samuel. And um, we're going to have words. I just don't do titles. And we don't do titles. Why? Because it's not about titles. It's about what the part God's called me to play in his story and the part he's called you to play. And yet we have some parts to play. Here's what we also need. We need people who can challenge into the vision and the direction of the church. And God says, I give gifts to the church. I've prepared them in, in, the, in, in, in myself and I've prepared them in a community. And the amazing thing about the guys and girls that we want to bring onto a team and, and release as, as elders, uh, Marion and, and Brett at this time, is that they've been prepared in this house yeah. to be released within this house. That's cool. Maybe you don't believe how cool that is, but unfortunately, much of the church has become like the world. We need a pastor, pop it on peanuts, pop it on this, and let's advertise for a pastor. Why? Because there hasn't been a commitment to raising leaders or releasing or risking or looking with eyes of grace. And yet somehow in our story, God has released and given us gifts. And um, we're really excited. Just to say that I'm going to get um, Rihanna Maria to come up, but on the 8th of October in the morning, we're going to have a big morning and Wally and Shirley Gersmeyer, who with their two girls moved to Cape Town and planted this amazing church, are going to be with us for a weekend. And we're having a big day in. The Mildenty community, Mildenton community are going to come here in the morning and we're going to have a whole party with the park available to us and a whole party together as we release these, these um, two new eldership couples, some deacons in our story. And, and God, remember this. Because here's what gets knotted a little bit in ourselves. It's a little bit like, why leadership? Why? No, we're not a hierarchical people and you know that. But God still says, I want government in my story. God is a governmental God. He says, actually, when the government rests on his shoulders, he's the prince of peace. Yeah. If you allow God to allow leaders into your story, maybe you've been hurt by leaders. This process will be tricky for you because authority is a bad thing to you. I'm telling you, I want the authority of Jesus in my life. I need it. I'm lost without it. And he says, I'm going to give gifts to the church to bless the church for the forward advancement of the church. So just to tee that up, we'll talk about that more on the 8th of October. But actually, Rihanna Maria, why don't you guys come up? And um, can we clap for them? And uh, 
just so you're aware, we have an eldership team that, that governs and leads this church. Now, here's the thing. You might not even know who they are. I'm okay with that. Actually, I'm quite stoked with that. Why? Because part of government is, is God puts structures into communities. But if you would see my bones all the time, it means I'm not healthy. I'm not healthy if you could see my bones all the time. Something's wrong. But he says, actually, I still need the structure. I still need the health. I still need the strength. And, and I want to, the other couple is Brett and Shelley Anderson. Brett, why don't you stand up? They are this amazing young lady's parents, and yet they look 12 themselves, so it's a problem. And, um, but, but just to honor you as well, and we're really excited for your family. But um, I'm going to let them tell a little bit of their story. I just want to tell you a few things that they probably won't tell you, is that... Uh, that actually this is, a, this is a big decision for them as a family. They both have amazing jobs, working long days, traveling long hours to work. Then they have three boys as well. And in the midst of all that business and craziness, they're actually saying, actually, but God has called. This is an issue of calling. It's not an issue of faithfulness. It's not an issue of years. It's not an issue of anything other than God calls at a time to serve his people. Yeah. The greatest picture of leadership to me is not Jesus shouting, declaring, or telling his disciples to go that way. It's Jesus on his knees in John 13, washing the feet of his disciples. Yeah. That's what they're putting their hand up to do. Wash your feet. Did you know that, Maria? <laughs> to wash your feet. Spiritually and maybe physically. And yet, so there is a cost to this, and I want to boast of them at an inconvenient time in life. They're actually saying, actually, but we feel something of the call of God to this, and God will sustain that call. Maybe tell us a little bit of your story. Yeah, hi there, guys. Um, I'm Rian van der Vestesen, and uh, yeah, my journey with my lovely wife and my three boys started when I was 25, when I traveled to the UK. And um, I had my wife on a very rainy day after being in the UK for about six months, run under my umbrella. She's got a lot more detail to the romantic side to that. But yeah, what happened from there on, I brought her back to South Africa, and... Uh, yeah, God blessed us with three beautiful boys. We have a 15-year-old Nathan and uh, two twins, Oliver and Sebastian, that are 11. And um, yeah, God's timing is something which, which is very dear to my heart, just as I've seen over the last few years through retrenchments and just things happening in our lives, how God has just been truthful and how His timing is always absolutely perfect. In times where I've cried out, asking him why, why is this happening right now, and not always getting the, the right answer at the right time, but looking back, I can just see that how he's unveiled things in the perfect time. And um, for Maria and I, really, we love, we love the bride of Christ. That is who he lay, laid his life down for. And we're just super excited to partner with Mark and Gabe and the other elders in this season for what God has got installed for Life Changes Church. And um, yeah, it's really exciting to, to wanting to serve and just to pioneer new areas into our city. Um, hello, everybody. Um, maybe I can just tell my story of how I came here. <laughs> so I um, arrived here 15 years ago from England and um, Nathan was born shortly afterwards, and 
Then when he was about two years old, um, I fell pregnant. I was really ecstatic. We were very overjoyed. Um, but unfortunately, I lost that pregnancy when I was about eight, nine weeks pregnant. And that was really hard. Um, I was struggling as well with just settling into South Africa and leaving my home in England, my family. So it was a really tough time. And then eight weeks later, I found out I was pregnant again. And um, a few weeks later, I was eight or nine weeks pregnant again, and I lost that one as well. So then I was really broken, and um, I was, yeah, I was in a really difficult place and um, struggled. So Nathan went to a play school just around the corner from here, and I used to drive past Life Changes, and one day, just totally spontaneously, I drove into the car park, and just to give you context, I've probably been to a church twice in my entire life. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was a, a very completely out-of-character move. So um, I knocked on the door, and a lady answered, and I said, Hello, my name's Maria, and I have a hole in my body about this big. And um, if you have one of your spiritual pills, I would really like to take it right now. <laughs> so she laughed, and she said, Well, you better come in then. And um, I met Murray, who was an elder here at the church, and he um, spoke to me for quite a long time. <laughs> and I, um, I met his wife, Mish, who's really an amazing, kind, gentle, um, creative lady who I just really got along with and felt so loved here. And I think um, Rian nearly fell off his chair when I got home and I told him <laughs> I'd gone to a church. But he came along to Sunday meetings and... I think it was about three months later, and Molly did an altar call, and I just felt my heart pounding, and I just knew that my, this, I don't really know what it was, but I knew that this was my time, and I put my hand up, and when I opened my eyes, Rian had also put his hand up, so it was really, and um, so we joined life groups, and with life group, and we joined the foundation group where they told me all this weird stuff that I had never heard of before and that you could talk to God and so I quite liked that and I was talking to God all the time after that and went running talking to God and I was in the car talking to God and I said so Lord am I going to have another baby and I just then felt in my spirit that his answer was what was lost will be replaced and I'm going to give you twins and I'm going to give you back your two babies <laughs> So I rang Rianne, I said, oh, listen to this. <laughs> so Rianne, in his rather high-pitched voice, went, okay. <laughs> and that was it. We kind of forgot about that, and some months went on. And I think it was about four months later, and I found out I was six weeks pregnant. And so I was a little bit nervous and went for a scan, and they told me I was pregnant with twins. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, faithful restorative God who keeps his promises and my twins are 11 years old today so thank you amazing just um, in, in this uh, uh, we're presenting guys before you because actually it is important for us as we move forward but actually I, I want it to be a picture for you actually these guys got saved here they, they came looking for maybe the same thing you're looking for today yeah. just a spiritual pill to fill a hole and yet years through stories through the Murray and Mish, her, her now lead a church, 
up the east coast in the garden route, then the Wally and Shirley Gerstmeyer, then all home groups and all these amazing people who have loved and restored. Actually, this is a leader making house. So two things. Will you become a leader maker? Even if you don't think you've got anything to give, I'm telling you, you've got encouragement. I'm telling you, you've got some time. You've got these things. Would you become a leader maker? And secondly, would you allow God to use the influence that he has for you and for your story to rise up? Even if you feel like a David out in the field and no one knows that you're there. Will you allow God to do things in your life? And it's not, it's not all about eldership in a church. That's just one thing that God does in his kingdom for his glory. And it's a cool thing. But for some of you, some of you young guys, God wants to put courage and steel in your bones to start businesses that bring him glory, that pay good wages, that are generous to our nation, that bring solutions where there are problems. Some of you, God's put creative dreams inside and everyone's going, that's too risky. No, God's saying, actually, I'll back you because I'm a father. I'll give you more than a spiritual pull. I'll give you my life and I'll pour it into you. Can I pray for us? Is that all right? Yeah, thanks, Rihanna Maria. Just want to take that picture of David who became the greatest king that we see in the Bible, the greatest picture of Jesus in the Old Testament, pointing to Jesus. He wasn't chosen by his father. Maybe that's you today. Maybe saying, actually, I feel completely unqualified for any counting influence story. Would you allow Jesus to do something radical in your story? Not because of the church, not because of a passionate preacher or someone else's story, but because of who Jesus is. Maybe saying, I feel completely disqualified. In this moment, can I pray for you just to allow the qualification of heaven to come on your life? That would stake away the smallness Maybe it's a divorce, maybe it's a brokenness, maybe it's a failed business venture that would say disqualified. I want to tell you, Jesus qualifies. If you're there tonight and saying, actually, I need that qualifying voice in my life, maybe you're saying, I need the blood of Jesus to wash me clean, or maybe just saying, I've let the lies cripple and grip me for years. Can I pray for us quickly? Is there anyone? Won't you just, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, we'll lift your hands so I can pray with you and allow the qualification. Amazing. People all over the room. This is what the gospel is for. This is what the gospel does. It takes us from smallness into bigness. I pray right now, God, the qualifying voice of heaven that spoke over Jesus. This is my son. With him I'm well pleased. Pleased. Will you that same voice speak over your sons and daughters tonight? where failures of the past have limited and held. I thank you that the greatest leader maker and the greatest risk taker seated in heaven right now on his throne. His name is Jesus. And he speaks over each and every one of these amazing people right now. Life, victory, those things that hold you in your past no longer hold you. Those failures of the past no longer disqualify you from accounting story for the kingdom of God. Thank you, God, that spirit of God right now Would you silence lies that would hold in smallness and would you set people free to run for you, Jesus? Forever, forever we are yours, God. Thank you, King. And I pray for the rest of us, God, as we celebrate what you are doing in our community, you're releasing leaders from within our midst. I pray, God, we celebrate what you are going to do, that you will add the broken and the needy, you will add the arrogant and the proud, you will add the rich, the poor, the angry, the the, the, the indignant, you will add them all because we would be a people that would be faithful with calling out the God-given gifts within each and every one of them in this place. Let us be good soil 
for your people, I pray. Thank you, God. Amen.